Hello everyone and welcome to another team previews here of the 2024 World Tour season and of course we are here on the Cycling Dane Extra channel or on the Cycling Dane podcast if you haven't already checked that out on Spotify but as always I'm joined by Patrick Blake of Audi Cycling and also the Green Hatter and today we are looking at DSS and today we are looking at DSM Fermanic Postal NL and I mean Patrick changing their name two years well, twice in a year, which is good for them, more money. Yeah, I guess so. Well, maybe the, the balance books weren't quite adding up after signing people uh, in, oh. in this. Uh, I know, I know, I've already been suspicious. Maybe they needed more money, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We're here to talk about DSM, Feminic, post and their prospects in 2024. What, yeah, well, before we go into the thick of it in terms of last year what kind of stood out for you um we had stage wins in in the grand tours not in the tour roman by day being a bit unlucky as well but yeah what did you make of their season i don't think it was i don't think it was it wasn't that great but there was still some good moments in that Dainese got a stage win in the Giro and the Welter, but they were in sprints, which probably nobody can really recall, but they did happen. And then they won the TTT, the sketchiest one known to mankind in the Welter as well, which I guess also counts as well. Yeah, well, Wellsford was, uh, had some good breakout performances this year, including a win at the Rene Whitehall, which is World Tour level. The other one about some good performances from like uh, Marius Meyerhofer, who unfortunately is moving away to Tudor Pro Cycling, but he won the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race, which people do forget sometimes is a World Tour level one day race. So that is, you know, a decent scalp for them to be taking. But yeah, there's not that much success. There were some decent performances from youngsters like, of course, Max Poole, very high on him. Oscar Onley, uh, Malaysia won the under 23 TT champs, even though I know that's not kind of necessarily linked to the team, but I think that there's some lots of things to be looking at in terms of their youngsters coming up. It's a team very focused on developing young talent, and I look forward to seeing how a lot of those riders will kind of progress into next year. Yeah. What did you make of Andreas Lechnerson at the Giro d'Italia? That was quite a breakout ride, the Norwegian from Tomsø up in North Norway. Yeah. I was not one which I was expecting at all. I always considered him to be more of a... I don't know know really what I considered him to be. I always thought he was a time trialist to begin with, and then he was a bit of like a stage racer. I would never really consider him to be a Grand Tour top 10 contender, so that was a big surprise. I think that, you know, maybe... Obviously, he's not with the team anymore, unfortunately, but yeah, that was a really good performance from him this year. And I mean, just, uh, well solidifying what you said Wellsford, Skilda Priest uh, Max Poole 4th in Tour de Romandie uh, the Roman Badet 5th in Tour de Suisse obviously he would have wanted to get a bit more out of his Grand Tour season nothing really in the Tour or the Vuelta Espana but that aside we might as well move on into the transfers and I mean Patrick you might as well who are they bringing in? Uh, well the big name Probably one of the biggest signings of this whole sort of transfer season, if you can call it by cycling, is Fabio Jakobsen, which is just a massive name considering that he's won Grand Tour stages all over the shop. 
I think DSM really were looking for somebody to really elevate the team. I think for a couple of years, they've stagnated a little bit, in my opinion, and sort of have fallen away from the Sunweb era of 2020, 2021, which was a really kind of high period. And I think they've really been kind of looking to refine that. And I think that they're looking towards Jakobsen as a big investment to really bring that success to the team as one of the best sprinters in the world. Obviously, Jakobsen had that tough crash quite early on in the first week of the tour. So I don't think his results from the tour this year are particularly representative of his abilities. So I think that Jakobsen's a really good move. And they've also brought in just basically a lot of lead-out men as well to really bolster their their train to really support him. And alongside that, the return of Warren Bargui, who of course was with this team back in Sunweb, which is what this team used to be. So he's kind of had a bit of a, a homecoming. So we'll have a nice duo of Roman Bardet and Warren Bargui. What about the rest of the signings? Julius Mandenberg in there, yeah, Lemreisen as well from Jumbo Visma, Timo Rosen from from uh, Jumbo Visma as well, and then three riders to, from the development team. Again, we said this in the Jumbo video, or the Visma Lisa bike video, we have to say now. Uh, that like this is just great to see that riders coming through the development teams and showing that World Tour teams having a development team Ineos actually is a good idea yeah think a wag towards Ineos there isn't it but yeah I, I love that development team I think DSM Sunweb has had one of the longest standing development teams so it's really good to see that they're still investing in that like you say free riders coming up usually the ones who come up from here don't amount to too much some of the time. I think they struggle to really find their feet. So hopefully these ones manage to find a bit of grounding in the team, get a bit of a niche for themselves. But yeah, we've got Bram Van Velten, Emil's Lee Pins in there as well, like you said. Julius Vandenberg, Timo Rosen, definitely four riders who have been signed specifically for the purpose of supporting Fabio Jakobsen and his success in sprints. We'll see what they can actually do with Fabio Jakobsen. Him getting a new team as well with the ever-growing Remco Venable project in Sudal Quickstep. But we might as well look towards who's leaving the team. You've alluded to quite a few of them. The rider who won plenty of stages for them in the Grand Tours, Alberto Dainese, leaving. That was quite a surprise, I think, to Tudor Pro Cycling. Andreas Lechnerson, as you said as well, going to Uno X Pro Cycling, a team he actually has ridden before with. Han van Hauke is leaving to Lotto Destiny and then Sam Wellsford to Bor Hansgrohe. You mentioned uh, Marius Meinhofer. Marco Brenner, we still don't know what he's doing. Florian Stork, he's going to Tudor as well. Um, Jonas Witteberg is going to Uno X as well. And then Henry Vanabel is going to Lotto Destiny as well. And then Valerie Gronberg, friend of the channel, we don't know what he's doing. Very strong a very strong track rider, but hasn't really got the great results on the road yet. What do you think of that? Like, there's a lot of talent that are losing there. It's not like, like you said in the Visma video, shedding the fat. I like to think of transfers in terms of riders in, riders out, and has the team sort of progressed or gone down? I think that what... Team DSM have done here is really sacrificed quite a lot of riders in order to bring in Jakobsen, which I think is is good in a way, but you are sort of putting all your eggs into one basket. At the end of the day, sprinting is not 
sort of like a perfect science where you have the best sprinter you win all the time you need other things to go into play it's you know there's a lot of luck involved and in, in sprinting as well so it is a little bit risky i think maybe going all in on Jakobsen, especially in like the the year that Philipson's had i think it's gonna be hard to topple him like i say yeah losing dinesi who's been a pretty you know he's pretty much won like a grand tour stage a year for the last couple few years i think Meyerhofer, Lechnersund, I think those are quite big losses. Wellsford as well. Yeah, they've kind of shed a lot of their young talent who haven't really shone through, which is kind of reflecting back on what I said a, mi- a minute ago where I said that sometimes they get people up from their development teams and they don't really shine too much. They struggle to find their feet. Moving to the monuments, obviously they didn't have great success last year. Um, I think the highlight for them definitely in terms of the monuments was John Degenkolb being in the elite selection in Paro Bay. Obviously, that controversial incident that kind of got overshadowed by Macho Vanderpool winning the race, where he kind of got booted into the side of uh, one of the couple sections towards the end, but still managing to get seventh place. Uh, uh, Jasper Phillips and then Macho Vanderpool both came over to say sorry as well after the race. But yeah, um, Monuments, DSM not really two things that go that well together i think but like what does it look like for them yeah it wasn't great in 2023 it's just like you say Denkel, barring that crash might have finished top five in roubaix but i think they just in the era that we're in doing well in a san remo flanders liege etc you really need one of the super talents of our sport unfortunately in your team and that's just not somebody who dsm have unfortunately so competing in one of those and winning it let or even finishing on the podium is going to be hard enough without one of those riders so i think that i'm not kind of being too harsh on dsm for not being too successful in those because i never really had the expectation that they would do sometimes i do think like top tens are a relatively you know, realistic ambition for them with in the hilly ones, maybe like a bar day and the cobbled ones with a with a Degenkolb, like you say, but the team's got a lot of young talent in there and sometimes they just need some time to really kind of develop and prove themselves. And I still think that DSM are growing their talent and therefore they're still sort of reliant on some of their sort of more established riders to get the results, even though those established riders aren't on the same level that they were three or four years ago we could talk about the points where they're going to get it from but like looking at this year getting a fourth place in uh, top fives in both the Tour de Suisse and the Tour de Romandy that's big points and then if Omar Bade could convert into a top 10 or Max Poole or whoever then yeah but yeah it doesn't look great who are you even sending to a Tour of Flanders from this team or Paru Bay I mean John Degenkov I guess is still on the books so he is your leader for those two uh, and maybe even Milan San Remo. Yeah, guys, even if they have signed Fabio Jakobsen, we do call it this Prince's Monument. He's only done it once. I just checked. 86th is his best position in 2022, and he's only done it once. So I'm not seeing him as a potential winner in Milan San Remo in 2024. No, I don't think so. I think, yeah, it's a San Remo, Dagenkolb, Bevin. Maybe like Timo Rosen, I think, could do a decent job here as well. But yeah, like you say, it's looking a little bit 
been on the ground for a San Remo. Kevin Vermark is quite a good puncher as well. Yeah, I don't think San Remo is really going to be the place where they're going to be seeing the success in the kind of monuments. I think that's going to probably more come in the Ardennes. I think in terms of like Flanders and Roubaix, you're looking at a very similar sort of outfit. Maybe somebody like Nils Akoff, uh, Edmondson, Degen Kolb. They might even get some of their youngsters in there as well, like uh, Tobias Lund-Anderson, Pavel Bittner, Kasper Van Uden, etc. I think they try and mix in some of these riders in there as well, considering that they know that they're probably not going to win. They may as well give some of their young riders the chance to compete in some of these big races to learn about how to position yourself in such a, a hectic and competitive race. So I'm going to say that those first three monuments probably not going to be the most successful. I think those are going to be just merely, if you get a top 10 in there, that'll be really good. But I don't think it's a massive loss if they don't do anything there. For Liège, do you reckon like, what do you reckon to Bardet and Barguil? Do you reckon that is going to work out quite well? I mean, quite a good French too, to be honest. Yeah, 15th last year for Bardet. Obviously finished on the podium in the past, but... I mean, a top 10 doesn't seem too far-fetched. Mm. Yeah, I just kind of wonder as to who else might get a look in there. Oscar Onley's proven himself to be quite a good Yeah. Um, we haven't really seen him on big one-day races yet. The ones which he has done, like a Stelardi, he's, I don't know, just I guess just a domestique, but I would like to see him be given maybe a little bit more protection in those sorts of races. Kevin Vermarker as well has proven himself to be quite good. Matt Dingham, of course, he was, you know, very easy to forget. He was in the top 10 of the World Championships road race. I know he was in the breakaway, but that's still an insane performance. So I think they've still got those, maybe a couple of riders in Vermarker and Dingham, which maybe people are sleeping on a little bit, who might be a little bit of a curveball. Maybe they won't just rely on Barguil and Bardet, because I think that those two, like you say, maybe they sneak into the fringes of the top 10 but maybe DSM look more towards their youngsters to see what they can do to really say this is the future of DSM uh, yeah I think I agree with that but this could be maybe a development year for them to some respect as well but still getting some results uh, Lombardia I think is a similar kind of story but we might as well move on to the Giro d'Italia obviously we've seen the route and it's quite an interesting one where are you sending Roman Bardet? That is the big question. Because then, and Jakobsen, because then that kind of decides the order of who goes where in terms of the domestiques, etc. But are you sending a Jakobsen to? I guess he's going to the tour. Yeah, in a very yeah, I I think he has to in a similar way to when we did our Bora preview and we said they spent all this money on Roglic. They kind of have to send him to the tour. I think it's a very similar case here. Spending all this money to bring in this rider, I think you sort of have to send him to the tour. I'd expect Jakobsen to go there with a pretty decent lead out and maybe slap in Barguil and Bardet on there as stage hunters. I think Bardet just doesn't seem too keen on the whole GC thing anymore. Maybe they try to go for like the polka dot jersey, something like that would be a really cool goal as well. So I'm seeing like Jakobsen plus a pretty decent like train taking up six riders of the eight and then Barguil and Bardet on the end I think that would be my ideal t uh, DSM but going back to the Giro what that then means is who goes there maybe Max Paul could go as of a... course of course he's team leader right T team leader yeah of course he is who saw that coming 
I reckon, I reckon Paul, you know, he went to the Vuelta. I think that he was in the breakaway, didn't really do GC. I'd like to see him go to the Giro just for something different. He seemed really good at that time of year as well with like the Tour of Romandie and the Dauphiné and stuff like that. He was very good at that time of year. I'd like to see him do that. And outside of that, they've got a couple of young sprinters in here when Casper Van Uden, Pavel Bittner, Tobias Lundanderson. I think one of these should be going to the Giro as a bit of a proving ground, considering that they're not going to get a look in at the, at the Tour and then send one of the other of them to the Vuelta as well as again as a bit of a learning ground but may I'd send it at Malaysia as well to the Giro the under 23 TT champ see how he can do in the kind of world tour level time trials as well who else do you think might fit into a Giro squad and is it just like a stage hunting team pretty much outside of pool yeah I, I think yeah I think it's similar to the this Melissa bike team that we saw, well, leaked. Yeah, just a young squad that could potentially do something. You put all the big guys in the Tour de France basket, and then here is kind of like whatever you can get. What would what would a good Giro look like for them? I mean, for you, you would be Max Poole in top 10 or winning the Giro. I think Max Poole top 10 GC in the Giro plus literally just a stage win I think would be successful if they could get two I think that'd be good um who I think might get that stage win I mean it depends if it's send but maybe somebody like a obviously their youngsters aren't going to get a look in at the tour but like a Kevin Vermark or a Matt Dinham like I was kind of going out with the Ardennes I think they could certainly slot into this squad and do well over some sort of breakaway terrain uh, Geese Lame Razor, who they brought in as well. You know, we saw him in the Giro last year, 2022, where Vanderpool was really kind of kicking off, really doing really well. <clears throat> Lame Razor was in the breakaway in that mountain stage, which Boitago won, I want to say. So I think that he could go there as a. I think they could definitely cover a lot of terrain with a lot of youngsters. Well, now coming to the final part, the Vuelta España, obviously they've had success here in the past, but. How do you see this going? Is it going to be similar to this year where Bardet goes there? Jakobsen, he's done very well at the Vuelta España, so you could equally throw him in there. Yeah, I guess Jakobsen's a tricky one because, like you say, he could go to the Vuelta as well, but yeah, maybe that makes more sense because at that time of year, there's not really many other races where Jakobsen's going to be of use. I know there are some like one-day races and stuff going on, but would the team benefit benefit more from sending Jakobsen to the Vuelta rather than like Rene Whitehall, Spartak, Mustalan, Giro, etc.? I'd probably say yes, because then you're more likely to get stage wins rather than from like a Kasper Van Uden or etc. Uh, but yeah, we might as well uh, wrap this up as well. Before we do that, predictions, what's your hot take and uh, how many Max Pool wins are <laughs> they going to be? Max Pool. Finishes seventh in GC at the Giro d'Italia. I'll say I'm guessing that's where he's going to go. I think that Oscar Only top tens Liège Baston Liège, and I also think that Tobias Lund Anderson wins a world tour level stage. Yes, I can get on board with that. 
How many stages is Jakobsen going to win in the tour? Two. Oh, I'm going to say zero. Ooh. What? It's just, look at the record. It's one in two. Yeah. Being yeah, too you, you do make a decent point. If he doesn't win a stage, it's going to be, uh, it's not going to look, it's not going to look good. He, he will then have to go to the Vuelta. But yeah. We haven't got our money worth it. Who's he up against? He's up against Jasper Philipsen, who's absolutely running riot with everyone. Mark Cavendish wants to win a stage. So yeah. you've got the Alperson squad that are so strong. You've got uh, Astana going to be in the mix. Inter Mache are obviously going to try and win with Gemai. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Hoenewegen? Yeah. Is he going to beat all those guys? I think he'll beat the majority of them. The main crux is Philipsen. When he is there with Vanderpool, it's such a deadly combination. And I think that the last couple of years have really shown that it's the lead-out man who can really make it or break it. You can have the best sprints in the world, but if they're not piloted by the right person, you may as well not have the best sprint in the world. They may as well be the 10th best. So it depends. Can somebody like Timo Rosen really pilot Fabio Jakobsen into the correct place? I think that's the main question, which I'm considering. I think he probably can, at least on a couple of occasions, which is why I'm hedging my bets and saying two. Because I just think, yeah, Philipson didn't win everything last time round, and I feel like maybe Jakobsen could sneak in a couple. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I mean, even having... I don't know. Did Dagenkolb be a good lead-out man as, like, the final guy or not? I don't know. I feel like you need to just have a very kind of cutthroat mentality and I think that Dagenkolb is too too afraid of crashing and losing a thumb again I mean that is did he lose his thumb well he lost that thumb in that horrid crash with, way back when it, it was in a training camp though but yeah I remember the one when uh, the, was it the British tourist who was on the wrong side of the road yeah, yeah I just think uh, that, I, I don't know I, I feel like in the lead out world you just need to have this absolute killer mentality whereas I consider Dagan Cole to be more of a like road captain style yeah I think that's fair enough but yeah uh, in terms of my predictions I also think uh, we are going to get Bardet I want to say top 10 at the Tour de France but you've just said they're probably going to go poke it up I don't know anything okay I'm going to say Warren Buggy wins the polka dot jersey because I'm a big fan of his yeah is that going to happen though? Well, we've seen it kind of fizzle out. They go for the breakaway in the first, like Nielsen Palace this year. First few weeks, good. And then boom, just hit the wall. That's true. But this tall route this year is different because there's bigger mountains in the first week, whereas Palace is going full gas for category threes. Good point. Warren Bagheel, you're currently my Polkadot jersey winner. I'm sure it's going to change when we go through each of these teams. But uh, yeah, that is basically it for us. Uh, thank you very much for listening or watching. Uh, this isn't our first team preview. Of course, we've done uh, Visma Lisa Bike already for Hans Grohe and Needle Trek. It's all available on here, the channel, or on Spotify. On the Patrick has his own channel as well, owned Audu Cycling and the Green Hatter. So make sure to check that out. And we have our weekly podcast, the Echelon Cycling Podcast. So if you haven't already, check that out as well. But that's basically it for us and yeah come back and see our next one which i believe is israel premier tech thank you very much for watching and we will see you around <laughs>